The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Fold is brought to you by O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. No mai hoki mai ki the Fold e mihine ko Duncan Grieve tokungwa. My guest today is Damien Venudo, who is the host of The Front Page, which is the New Zealand Herald, the Royal New Zealand Herald, as he happily calls it. Uh, It's their daily podcast, which has been going for a year this month. It was, the the detail has obviously been around a while, but it was the, the sort of second major daily to launch in this country. And I think it does a really good job. I've, I've been an admirer of, of Damien's for, for some time. He he got his start in journalism, I think, at at Idealogue, um, which was the owned by Image Centre Group, which is you know, where I used to work many years ago. And um, so, but because of that, he's written about media and and technology, which are obviously things that I'm. Uh, very, very interested in. I think he's probably in this very small handful of people who write about that, that stuff with a real grasp of, of what it is and all of the kind of the weirdness and fragility and opportunity and chaos that it entails. Um, and when I heard that he was going to be hosting the front page, I was kind of, I, I was curious because as far as I knew, and he admits this on the pod, he'd never hosted a podcast before. So you know, it's one thing to to start a podcast with no experience. That that was me some years ago, and it's a very normal thing to do. It's quite another to just go straight into a daily without any audio background. But I think he's just got an innate curiosity about him, and, and this is related to the to the media piece. Is that he is a huge consumer of and admirer of journalism, and the the New Zealand Herald. You know, you see people on Twitter getting mad about it, largely due to its proximity to News Talk ZB. I often think, but fundamentally, they have got a decent chunk of the very best journalists this country has working at any given time. And the front page makes use of that, both in terms of, as Damien describes it, feeding off the energy of the newsroom, but also just sort of deploying them as talent. Um, so far be it from me to recommend any podcast outside the Spinner Podcast Network, but if you must listen to a daily podcast to go and you know, meet the the moment of of a of a news event, um, you could do a lot worse than the front page. So this is Damien Venuto, host of the front page on the fold. Kia ora, Damien, and welcome to the fold. Hey Duncan, thanks so very much for having me. Uh, no, it's 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 uh, it's cool. It's I was trying to sort of figure out like I do. I talk to a lot of people in media, but not a lot of people in podcasting. And I feel you know, much as you sort of spend a significant proportion of your day apologising for various things, I feel like I need to apologise for my general demeanour and approach. But um, but it's exciting. I'm, I I remember when you first told me that you were going to be doing the front page, and and I was just you know I've known you a while, and I was just really happy for you that you 
you had that opportunity because I knew it was a passion. But uh, sort of, t- tell me about what the what the sort of thesis of the the podcast is and what its function is for the Herald. Yeah, I mean, the first thing is that like I being offered that job was really intimidating for me. I mean, just from the perspective that I'm a foreigner in New Zealand, you know, so I, I don't have a Kiwi accent. Um, and I'd be speaking for the Royal New Zealand Herald to some degree. And that, that, that's an incredibly inti- intimidating position to have, even if you are a Kiwi and then I'm coming in for, as an outsider doing that. And I think uh, fr- from the beginning, like just talking to um, Ethan, our executive producer, and then a few of the other people behind the scenes, what we wanted to do was we really wanted to focus on explaining complex things and focusing on issues. We didn't want to be the type of podcast that was just about a quick sound bite or this politician had to go with this politician or this person had to go with that person. It had to be about like issues that really mattered and just giving people a chance to explain what they thought and why they thought that. I think that that's the interesting bit. I mean, the, uh, the, the, the idea of a daily pod is quite exhausting, but it's, it's kind of exhilarating too because you you know, it's, it's a similar. It's quite a similar product to the bulletin, our daily newsletter, in some respects, and that it has a mix of something happened today. We've got to respond to it versus slower gestating kind of things that are just sort of in the air. But um, I wondered if you could sort of talk a bit about that sort of story selection process and and whether there are, you know, you know how 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 you pluck them out and and you know, and the the way that you can kind of turn it out, because turning out a, a high quality, very public product each day is, is no small thing. Uh, in the beginning, it was a huge challenge. I mean, the it was even tricky because we didn't know what work hours to work, because do you work in the morning and then have it prepped by the afternoon so you can do the final check? Or do you work a bit later and then work into the evening so that you know that it's as current as possible? All these things like processes that we had to work out. We were kind of, we kind of settled on about an 11 o'clock in the morning record um, and then working from there. Now, sometimes you'll get curveballs and you have to change things. But that beginning bit was really about setting up processes. And I spoke to my wife behind the scenes about this a lot because she works in quality and regulation. And it's really funny to say that, but she kept saying to me, the media doesn't have good enough processes. And when we when we came to setting up the podcast, that was something that was like in the back of my head the whole time. I was like, how can you create a process to, that makes it manageable for a small team? And so that's really what we focus on. In the, and it's incredibly boring to say that, but it was about setting up a process that worked for what we were trying to do with a very finite team. What, what what is the what is the team that creates a like? So it's basically three people. Um, but Ethan is really spread across a range of podcasts. He's our executive producer, but then he's also he's managing Paula Paula Bennett podcast. He's managing um, uh, One Day You'll Thank Me, which is our parenting podcast, and then he's coming up with ideas for other podcasts. So he's definitely stretched a bit further than just our podcast. And then Sean and I will be in the studio on a daily basis. And we'll look after the recording and then the editing process. And then I'll write the article for the podcast that goes live the next day. So it's pretty relentless. But I have a lot more flexibility than what I thought I would because we've set up like a decent process, which is quite cool too. And the, the daily, the, well, the daily, mm-hmm. uh, the, the New York Times podcast feels like it sort of invented or, or found this genre and was, was a, an immediate success Locally, there was the, the detail which followed not particularly long, long after the newsroom RNZ uh, production, which is very good, I should say. Uh, and but just lately, you know, like you're, you're basically bang on a year now, but both Business Desk and staff have launched daily podcasts. Do you, you know, do you keep up with that that 
the sort of the competition in that respect? Do you see them as as the competition, and and what is your sort of relationship to those other uh, dailies like? Oh, you, I definitely have to see them as competition. I'd be completely disingenuous if I didn't say that they weren't competition. Good. They're daily podcast. Most people come on this show and they're disingenuous. I'm like, <laughs> hey, that's fine, but it's a bit annoying. No, no, no. But they they definitely are. But I also think that it is important because I mean it, it's almost like a behavioral science challenge here because. When you sit in your car and you turn it on, right, you have the radio come on immediately. There's no step that you have to go through in order to do to to to, Passive to find, versus active. To yeah. find the thing that you're trying to listen to. With a podcast, you're asking someone to activate their phone. You're asking them to connect to the Bluetooth. You're asking them then to choose your podcast, right? So the more people that are trying to nudge people in that direction, the better. And then if our podcast is an option among those, that's really good. That's really, really good. So if other people are nudging more listeners to to take those steps. That's a really positive thing for us. So it, just thinking thinking about it from that perspective, it's good that there's competition. And uh, it's just, I, when I was a kid, I played a lot of competitive chess and this is really nerdy. And I think if you can sit across from somebody who's like plucking out like one hair at a time, uh, like a teenager plucking out one hair at a time because they're so stressed by the, the prospect of the competition, but a competition in the podcast space isn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds terrifying. Um, so, you know, in that, uh, over the course of that year, inevitably, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to learn a hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. There are going to be triumphs and disasters. Let's start with the, with the triumphs. Are there any episodes... That, that you're sort of particularly proud of that where you felt coming out of it like, oh, we're starting to really hit our straps here or figure some things out? Like, what's really interesting was when we first started doing the podcast, I couldn't even listen back to the episodes because I just cringed. It was like I needed to do so much work. I needed, I had so much room for improvement. I needed to improve the way I sounded. I, I sounded so afraid in the podcast because I genuinely was afraid. Um, and then as time progressed, I started liking bits and pieces of different podcasts. And like one episode that I really am fond of, one recent one that we've done was one that we did with Matt Nippet on scammers and how they were defrauding people. And the reason I liked it was because there was a section in that where he had a recording of the scammer and that voice hadn't been heard. So if you read the print version of that article, you didn't hear the voice. So for the first time, we were able to like publish that voice. And the nice thing about it was that every stereotype that you maybe had in your mind of who a scammer is or who's scamming New Zealanders was thrown out the window by that voice because it was a posh British accent. This guy sounded like he could have walked out of the out of Buckingham Palace. And he was the person who was scamming from Singapore, which was just a fascinating observation on how we see things and how audio can tell that story in a slightly different way. And um, I, I mean, also, I, I've enjoyed doing the the quick response stuff too. So when we've been re- reporting on storms and things like that, grabbing a journalist, getting them in the room, 10 minutes, tell us what's happening, making sense of that. And those have gone really well from a numbers perspective. They're really good. But again, you have to be careful chasing numbers too aggressively. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to talk about numbers in a minute. And, and I can totally imagine, not just with, with the, this kind of unexpected voice of the scammer, but I feel like Matt Nippett's got one of the, one of the great voices in New, Ge- New Zealand journalism. Just this raw, <laughs> gravelly... He, he sounds like he's been plucked from a different age. <laughs> yeah, I remember the first time I ever heard him was... <laughs> it was like at a pantograph bunch of men, and I just... I don't even... He told a weird story about about interacting with at, at some kind of news event, but I can remember almost nothing of what was a really impressive story. But his <laughs> his voice was just like, oh, "Who is this creature? It's amazing!" And that's one of the things I guess that must be quite 
that that is different about what you're doing um you know in some respects is that you've got access to that as you say the, the royal new zealand herald's newsroom you know how, how does the you know how much does the sort of throughput of that and the the, the, the general energy feed into to what you're doing with the front page uh, massively right so when when we're sitting in the newsroom and we're hearing senior editors shout at each other about a story that that matters in that moment, we immediately get a sense of where the zeitgeist could be going. Now that doesn't always. I mean, some stories go onto the website and then they die shortly thereafter. Sometimes it's difficult to call to to call which ones are going to go, which ones are going to last. And that's also the tricky thing when you're recording the day before. You have to kind of pick the ones that are going to be there the next day. But you can generally feel when there's a big story in the newsroom and that energy, that's part of the reason why I, I absolutely love like being in the newsroom rather than working from home in this particular role, uh, which is re- deeply ironic given that the first few episodes we recorded, I was in Costa Rica <laughs> when we were trapped there visiting family. And um, the j- j- just being able to, to listen to the conversations that senior journalists are having and then being able to feed off of that and decide where our angles are going to go from from that point, it's it's it makes this podcast. It it wouldn't be possible to to come up with a series of five ideas in a week if it wasn't for those conversations that are happening around us all the time. And in terms of your, you know, because we were just talking off air, and you, I think you're up to around 270 episodes uh, of the thing, which is an awful lot, but. Am I right in thinking that you didn't have a huge amount of podcast episode po- podcast experience prior to picking this up? No, it was I had zero. I would say that's I would a say pretty close, well, close to zero. It's uh, a pretty audacious thing to do. To like, yeah, I, I can do this. I well, I I wasn't sure that I could. That that's the other thing. I mean, when, when I first walked into the room, I. I, I could see on Ethan's face that he was worried. He was deeply concerned, and <laughs> I don't, he immediately grabbed two people in the newsroom who are like they're they're really important people that don't maybe get as much exposure and credit as what they deserve. Uh, Raylene Ramsey and Neva Retimanu, both of them are just incredible, incredible people, and they sat with me and they kind of helped me bring out the. A positive side in my voice, and I still needed to work a lot. I needed to practice at it, but they really sat with me and trained me, and and just helped me and gave me their time. They, I mean, this was on top of their day jobs that they were just giving me their time. They were so gracious, and I'll I'll never forget that. I mean, especially Neva too. To this day, when I bump into Neva now, just the warmth that I feel from her. It's she's an incredible, incredible human being. Um, I mean, and that's that's the yeah, like you say, mm. all big institutions have people like that 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 kind of without home they would not operate. Mm. So we talked before about about the you know some of the bits the and the episodes that you've most enjoyed, but invariably when you're working on a daily anything, things go wrong, and especially when you're kind of operating in well, it's a new space for you, but it's also People are still figuring this thing mm-hmm. out, and and how it relates to, and how it's similar to, and and different from uh, other products that we produce. So so, what what has gone wrong? Like, tell, tell me about the disasters. <laughs> so there, a few months ago, we recorded an episode in the morning on the KiwiSaver tax that the government had released. 
And then by about 1 p.m. in the afternoon, they'd done the U-turn. So our story was completely irrelevant. We'd recorded everything. We were probably halfway through the editing process. We, we were relaxed. My feet were on the desk. I was ready to go home, basically. And then we had to grab Liam Dan and just drag him into the studio and like tell us what happened here. How did this go so wrong? Why has the government suddenly changed its mind? So things like that have happened. We've also had like cancellations that happen when you have the recording at 11 a.m. in the morning. 10.30 cancellation is a wonderful experience because then you have to hustle to find someone else. And because you're, because, because you're within the, the broader newsroom and you're competing with other people for studio space, um, you have a limited time in the studio too, so you have to kind of find somebody to to take their place. And so things like that happen all the time. And, and you're also, you know, you are very talent dependent. Like if you get someone who's a bit ponderous or kind of doesn't have the effect quite quite right, you're, you're sort of stuck holding the baby to, to some yeah. extent. For the most part, it's a single interview, is that Yes, yeah, 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 we have tried to keep it to the single interview. And uh, that is also... A learning curve that we've had in in the past. I I think because I was so inexperienced and afraid, genuinely, um, I think I was a little bit more afraid to maybe guide the talent and um, suggest to them how they could better tell the story. But now, if I feel like a question could be answered in a better way, I'll ask them to maybe have another go at it. Uh, and because it's pre-recorded, we have that luxury. And I'm sure our editor is also really good at. Playing as playing the listener in the studio, so he'll be like, no, 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 let's do that again, or let's do a pickup question on that because that's an interesting point. And so there are these things that are happening behind the scenes. So if you guys heard the raw product, it would be awful. <laughs> Definitely not a live product. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, right? Because I, I was thinking today as we were preparing for this about you know, morning reports, you know, an, an iconic audio product made up of a, a bundle of single source interviews for the most part and you know one of the, you know and, and thinking about that that relationship to journalism where you're supposed to with any contentious issue and most of these things mm -hmm. should naturally be so uh you know give give the the other side an, a, sure. of an issue the opportunity to rejoin it which you can do over the course of a mm -hmm. a three-hour show and also over the course of a week you know and, and there's a sort of an understanding that uh, that that thing is made in pieces over a duration, which is slightly different, but you know, in terms of the the dynamics of podcasts. Like, have you run into issues where you're trying to wrap a particular issue that actually has some complexity, and and a, and a source doesn't necessarily kind of give you that that kind of on the one hand, on the other hand treatment? Yeah, and. That that definitely is a challenge from time to time, and because we've been quite explicit in talking to either, let's say, a journalist who's looked at both sides, or let's say an academic who's meant to come from a slightly independent view, every once in a while it doesn't pan out like that, and we do have what what, what could come across as quite a partisan view, and the way that we kind of rectify that to some degree is by adding some narr narrative elements, maybe finding a few clips from other interviews that have also been done across the NZME stable to kind of balance the interview and to to, to give it that, that other perspective that is sometimes necessary. But I, I do think that the media is sometimes um, guilty of creating a false dichotomy where you just because somebody has a different view, it doesn't necessarily mean that that view is on the same equivalence as the view of an expert, for instance, right? So uh, my auntie Susan isn't necessarily going to have as much gravitas when it comes to those big issues as an academic who spent his entire life studying a certain issue. So I, I do think that we need to be careful with um, 
with doing that just for the sake of doing it. If there's a, re- a reason for it, that's fine. But if we're talking to an expert who knows the field, then we should take we, 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 should, we should give that the gravitas that it deserves. The Fold is brought to you by O-Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa, with over 4,000 out-of-home advertising sites nationwide across both street furniture and retail centres. I'm super grateful to O-Media for enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You've you've gone from being, you know, like, a very, a very important, but perhaps not a super prominent part of the Herald's business team prior to the front page to now, I see your face everywhere. <laughs> I'm a big Herald reader, I know Samuel is too. He recently got absolutely rinsed on, on the spin-off Slack for uh, sharing a Herald story that we ourselves had covered about 45 minutes earlier. <laughs> this, is, this is our producer. <laughs> He's thrilled about that. But um, how, how are you adjusting to the fact that you're now quite a public, uh, literally a public face of, of the Herald? Oh, my uh, my family and my football team find it hilarious. So any time there's an ad that appears, I'll get a screen grab sent to me in a WhatsApp channel and it'll be a comment about my hair, about the bronzer that was allegedly put on my face, or um, my, my my middle brothers resorted to calling me Mr. Worldwide after Pitbull. <laughs> so if we, if we want to put some reggaeton music in right now, we could. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty hilarious. Um, I, I mean, given that I come from a small beach town in the south of Durban in South Africa, you, like things like this don't happen like to people like me, you know what I mean? So... I mean, it it is it is a weird space to to be in where you are almost viewed as a public figure, but I I, I don't I don't feel that because it, it's just a few ads that kind of disappear quite quickly too. So I, it's not it's not a massive part of my life. I don't focus on it too much apart from in my WhatsApp family group. To be honest, <laughs> I mean, and again, kind of related to that is the fact that while this is you know ended me. It had been in the podcast space before, but it largely had just been reformatting uh, radio products, which is you know obviously where it has a huge and very very long and substantial uh, history. What is the um, the relationship with with radio? Do you sit as part of the newsroom, or, or you know, because you're kind of between both worlds in a way? But obviously, it is something that that the organisation is resourcing up at the moment. Yeah, it is almost a twist of fate, but we sit exactly in the middle of the Herald newsroom and ZB, and we definitely exist in that liminal space. So we're working with ZB reporters, we're working with um, Herald reporters. Um, so it's quite nice because it, is, it almost serves as the 
connecting dots between those two areas. And there has been that liminal space for some time. And although you, you would see people like Simon Wilson appearing on ZB, Liam Dan appearing on ZB, um, it is pretty cool to be in that area right in between these two areas where we're writing articles for The Herald, but we're also doing it in an audio format. We're working with ZB on in terms of booking studios and then also in terms of getting training from ZB because they know the space better than anyone else. So we, we really take their advice quite seriously because they do do radio very well. Do you do like does the c- commercial development of the podcast space? Like, you know, how how is that going? Because I have, you know, as a not not at all disinterested observer of it, um, sometimes looking at the the sort of the volume of radio repackages, there's a sense that they're not quite the same thing as podcasts, and they can, but but because they're served through the same channels, they can that there's a can be a feeling that there is like a, a glut of inventory or that it kind of, you know, it, it somehow kind of pollutes this this still small, still nascent, fragile thing that we're trying to build. It is, it is a bit of a weird one because when we talk about competition in the podcast space, we, we did look at how those are performing and... But they're not really the people that we view ourselves as competing against because we are competing against this new genre of unique podcast only type shows and it is tricky because when you're on the podcast ranker you have those repackaged radio shows appearing in the podcast ranker and they're just so massive and powerful and they're just these huge brands so it is quite interesting to see i I don't I, i don't know if i don't know if they're necessarily polluting the space because the people who go into a podcast know that they have the choice to listen to whatever they want to, and I think that that's the the nice thing here, right? So polluting's not not the right word, but but there is just you know what they are fundamentally made to do one thing, and then they are re they are repurposed to do something else. Whereas which is you know, and I think that that's the the sort of tension. Like sometimes because it can make the podcast area look like. It's dominated by Fletch Vaughan and is it Megan? I'm, yes. Yeah, okay, Haley. Good. Sorry, Fletch Vaughan and Haley. See, right, okay. <laughs> I knew I knew it wasn't Megan. I just didn't know it was Haley. But you know, like the the and and on some level it is, but that is a second order um, byproduct essentially of what they're yeah. what they're creating for. You know, are there? Let me put it another way. Like, what what are the the New Zealand podcasts as opposed to radio <laughs> repackages that that you listen to most closely and and feel a kind of um, you know a, a connection to or are most interested in? Yeah. So from a personal perspective, I don't listen to any repackaged shows, uh, radio shows. I that's good, just not good. how that's not how I consume. Um, content online what i do is like if i'm going to listen to a local podcast i'll listen to cooking cooking the books or between two beers with um stephen holloway and um seamus what they're doing with that show is just so entertaining and i I really think that that one has the potential to become something big and interesting in new zealand i think it could even go like bigger than new zealand in some ways because it's what they've done is create such a cool product um and then i so yeah, like from from a personal perspective, I definitely look for pure play podcast type shows because that's the experience I'm looking for when I'm when I'm on a podcast app. Um, I, I, if I if I want to listen to live radio, I'll tune into live radio. I often find that repackaged radio shows they're very much set in a moment of time, and if you've missed that moment of time, they're not as relevant as what they once were. Whereas a podcast, it's made to sit there for a bit longer. So, in the, I mean, the, the other related part of that is is the the commercial piece. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, 
just as you know, New Zealand can feel like it's it's just a year or two behind the zeitgeist in terms of developing out these various markets. How, how has the you know I, how close are you to the monetization of the front page, and and how you know how do you feel like that area is broadly tracking uh, at NZME or, or even across the whole market? So there's definitely some separation because I'm on the editorial side, and there's still that um, if you're looking. We're probably closer to the Herald side of things when it comes to that separation between commercial and our editorial choices. So we do <coughs> kind of focus on being quite independent and not letting any commercial player have a say in what we can cover, what we can't cover. Um, I do get some updates from the commercial team and they like I've been told that the inventory um, on the front page has been sold out. So that's a really positive sign. The trick is keeping it there, right? Like because I, I keep thinking of our podcast as um, kind of being in this proof of concept phase. You, you can't really settle on your on, on your laurels. You can't like settle on how the previous month was or the month before that. You, you, we have to keep fighting for every little bit of space that we get and we have to make people believe that this is something viable, that people are going to consume content like this and then more people are going to do it. So I, it almost feels a bit like a startup vibe, which is, which kind of fits with the fact that we only have three people working on it. So it, it kind of, it's a metaphor that I keep using, but I, I really, really do see it as in the proof of concept phase and we, we're getting past that now. In terms of the, you know, can you share any numbers? Like how, how does a typical episode perform and what have been some of the, the, the biggest that you've had? So the biggest ones that we've had have been related to the storm. Um, that storm, I mean, every record that we had set in terms of individual um, audience performance was essentially broken um, when we started doing the storm coverage. And the reason was that it was also reactive. So we released bonus episodes. We um, every, every day there was a new podcast up, updating people on what was happening with the first, the, the floods in Auckland and then the cyclone. So those are doing, um, I think our, our record right now is sitting on, for a single episode, is sitting on, I think it was about 30,000 listens for uh, a single episode. And um, that was one of the storm-related ones. So what what the storm's actually done is it's, it's lifted our baseline. So over the course of a day, we were maybe looking at, I mean, all these, these figures are available on the Triton um, podcaster anchor. So we, we have the, the monthly overview there. But when we started, we had a baseline of, let's say, a thousand listens over the course of a day. Over the first year, that's like lifted to, let's say, 5,000, 5,000 and a half. So if, if we're hitting that target and every, and we're incrementally increasing that, that's a really positive space for us to be in. And like I said, it's it's slow going and it's hard work to to push push that baseline up, push that baseline up. But that's something that we focus on relentlessly. It's not it's not so much anymore about the individual performance of a specific podcast. It's it's how we're doing with that baseline over the course of a day. Do you do you feel like NZME has, you know is in this for the the long haul with, with the front page? Like like that there is a a road, a long road in front of you? I'm hopeful. I mean, when you when you have the CEO talking about audio and um, digital audio being one of their their pillars and they they, they raise it in their um, annual um, statements and it, it's it's a it's a key part of the financials now that's promising but I do know that the media is fickle so I I'm, I'm never I'm, I'm never completely settled I, I'm always <laughs> I, I, I don't take anything for granted and I know that 
you have to keep trying and work on like working hard like it's i i yeah i mean you you know duncan the the media can change very very quickly well, I mean, that's probably quite a good final question to talk about because, you know, we are both media reporters and, and have read each other's work for a while, you know, and do, do you still sort of, uh, you know, and there is, you're right, there's a, when you do that, you're inevitably quite, maybe more aware than most of just how fragile the industry can be. Uh, you know, do, do you still get to indulge in, in that beat and, you uh, yeah, what what is your sort of general prognosis for this industry o- over the next little while po- post the the merger blowing up and all that? Well, it's I mean the, the one thing that's interesting to me is when when you deal those moments with the recession, um, the first thing to go is advertising, right? So depending on how bad the, the recession is. Um, that's something that we're all going to have to focus on. Uh, I think across the media industry already, you're seeing some murmurings that there is some concern. Um, but I do feel like maybe it's not going to be as bad as previous recessions we've seen. Um, so, so I'm, I'm hoping that the prognosis is isn't it isn't a bad one. I I, I generally when I start getting press releases from advertising agencies telling uh, the market to continue advertising, that's when I start to get nervous. I haven't received those emails yet. I've received one, which is a lot better than where uh, when COVID hit and almost every ad agency in the country was pre- preparing a. Uh, a series of press releases and slides and hold, holding meetings with marketers. I haven't seen anything like that at the moment. So from that perspective, I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic than what I was right before COVID. Um, but overall, it, I mean, there are a lot of people doing interesting stuff at the moment. Uh, I mean, even if you look across at stuff, if you look at what we're doing with podcasts over here, the the media's trying and we're doing new things. And I, I think we are moving towards those new audiences because the one thing that's quite interesting is that we often think that New Zealand's behind the curve when it comes to adoption of new media. New Zealand's actually ahead when it comes to podcast adoption, where 30%, 30% of the population is has adopted uh, podcast listening. Sure, that's a tiny number of people when you think about much larger populations like Australia where it's 26% or the US where it's also around 26%. But the interesting thing is that you'll start to see marketers becoming more interested in the space as that proportion of listeners increases. And I mean, people like us will benefit from that. So I, I, there, there's an optimism, but also a fear because it's, I mean, it's a gamble to to, to take take on a new job and try something new. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it is one of those it's a good test of an organization's metal is like what does it do with its with its fragile new things when a storm comes through and you know there there is a school of thought that says they're the things you protect because you know there is energy behind them and actually you know the storm is the opportunity to be a bit you know hard, you know take take a hard look at some of the things which have been around a long time but maybe aren't Kind of going to to survive into the future, which I genuinely think New Zealand probably hasn't been as good at doing. Like there's a, there's a a real route. I had Gavin Morris on uh, a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. Was head of digital at the ABC and was very comfortable killing some like decades old shows over here over there. But um, we shall see whether <laughs> whether uh, the the kind of executives in charge of New Zealand media. Um, which I'm no longer one, thank God. <laughs> um, so see how they respond to the, to the upcoming stresses. But hey, um, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Amy, and really enjoy what the work you've done. And uh, yeah, look forward to hearing more of it. Thanks a lot, Duncan. 
That was The Fold, brought to you by our partners at O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. Huge thanks to O Media for sponsoring this episode of The Fold and enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.